Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I am Michael Kingswood, retired naval officer, Christian, dad, and writer extraordinaire. I mostly focus on science fiction and fantasy, but I've been known to write just about everything under the sun, including the occasional romance. The purpose of this podcast is to share my stories with you, the reading slash listening public. So sit back and relax, because I'm going to tell you the story. Hey friends, it's Michael Kingswood and it's story time. It's story Saturday and I'm actually here. As we talked about uh, on the streams this week, and if you haven't been coming to the streams, you should be because it's fun. As we talked about uh, all kinds of reasons why I didn't get this done last weekend, uh, the really want to know the true reason. Go back to the stream from a few days ago. Um, about grandma and poker. And the point is, it's all my mom's fault. My mom is the reason why I didn't get the story Saturday published last week. In fact, it's her fault for everything. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the story and I'm sticking to it. Anyway, but uh, it is Saturday. We are uh, getting back on course here with, with this one. And so we are going to read. Story number 34 from Stories from the Great Challenge, which, as you know by now, is the awesome collection of 52 stories that I wrote a story a week for a year as a writing challenge and crushed it. This one is called Liquor Coolers. It was a contemporary fantasy set in the bar. The bartender, the bar owner, gets an interesting and unexpected visitation. We'll leave it at that. We'll just get to it. I'll talk to you on the flip side. Enjoy. Of course, I wrote this. I'm reading it. So that means it's awesome. It was a Thursday night, and the crowd in the Golden Harp was almost non-existent. Just Tim, down at the corner of the bar farthest from the door, dressed as usual in plaid flannel and jeans, and leaning over his half-full mug of beer, like it held some deep, dark secret. And Ramon and Larry in a table across the room from the taps behind the bar, Heads bent over a game of checkers as the torment they'd been playing against each other for twenty years reached its latest climax. Those three were in here almost every night, even on Thursdays, and on Thursdays they almost always were the only customers who came through. Several times Hank had thought to just add Thursday to Sunday as a no-business day to give himself a little more time off, but then he considered the way bald Ramon and silver-haired Larry had kept their game going for so long, and how Tim seemed to view this place almost like a second home, and Hank tossed that thought aside. Besides, every now and then something interesting happened, even on a Thursday. Didn't look like that would be the case this time, though. Hank took a rag that he kept hanging on a hook behind the bar and began wiping down the bar top for the sixth time that night. The pale gray granite, flecked with bits of yellow that almost looked like gold, was already spotless, almost gleaming, but he had to do something to make the time pass, and he'd already swapped out the keg of 805 that Tim had floated an hour ago, and it wasn't like there was a ton of receipts to enter into the system and verify from the three customers he'd had all evening. So wiped the bar it was, and Hank couldn't help but smile and whistle to himself as he did it. Yeah, it was a mindless, repetitive task, but it was his task to keep up his place, and if there's one thing he could relate to Tim about, it was that the harp was more of a home to Hank than just about any place else in the world. From the chintzy old plastic harp that was colored yellow but didn't in any way resemble gold hanging over the entrance, which he'd gotten at a port call in Singapore back in his Navy days, 
to the brass taps that poured a rotating selection of his customers' most requested beers, to the old-style jukebox in the back corner that was chock-full of 80s classics and was currently playing Raspberry Beret, to the cracked brown leather of the booth seating where the checkers duo always kept their vigil, to the faded linoleum floor tiles, to the eternal odor of old cigar smoke, the only kind of smoker he allowed on the premises, everything here was exactly the way he loved it, and he had spent the last 25 years making it into his own little perfect place. And turning a decent profit from it, too. Yep, life didn't suck. Would be better with more customers, though. Hank finished up his bar swipe in front of Tim, who obligingly lifted his mug to allow the rag's passage. Tim grinned his gap-toothed grin, the remains of a brawl somewhere that Hank had never gotten him to tell about. I think you missed a spot. Hank snorted. Behind him, from the vicinity of the taps, an electronic beep rang out. Tim looked past him toward the coffee maker and shook his head. You're the only bar owner I've ever met who don't touch booze, he said, for the 80th time. That stuff will kill you quick, Hank replied, then turned around, flipping his rag up on top of the stainless steel cooling chest that held his selection of bottled beer for customers without the good taste to take it from the tap. He made a beeline to the coffee, the scent of deep roast blend overpowering the lingering bar odors as he drew near to the big commercial-grade unit he had installed last year on a whim. Well, not exactly a whim. Ever since he got the thing, the Golden Harp had gained a reputation for making the best Irish coffees in town. But Hank just liked it straight. Black and bitter, the way God intended. He kept a collection of mugs hanging above the bar, in a sequestered corner of the area where he hung the mugs belonging to his other beer club patrons. He kept his smaller mugs carefully arranged, his own personal timeline, from the mug he used in high school to his first ship and all the way up to now. Hank pulled one down labeled USS Spruance DD-963 with a silver silhouette of an old, long decommissioned ship of war on the side. He ran his finger along the image of the old girl and grinned as remembrances of that first deployment so long ago came back to mind. His eyes lifted going toward the door in the cheesy harp, a keepsake from that deployment, and he chuckled then filled his mug with the rich, aromatic brew that he liked best in the world. Hank about dropped the coffee pitcher when a low-pitched voice that he didn't know, but was somehow eerily familiar, spoke from above him and to the right. Tim's right, you know. That's really very offensive. What? Hank said, looking up toward the voice. He felt like every hair in his body was standing on end, and a rush of adrenaline ran down his spine. But there was nothing there but the glass shelving where he kept the bar's stock of liquor bottles. For a second, Hank told himself it was Tim's voice he heard, and the guy was playing a prank on him somehow. I didn't say nothing, Tim said. That was definitely not the voice Hank had just heard. Hand trembling, he carefully put the coffee pitcher back into its spot in the coffee machine and took a half step back, away from the unit and the taps and the liquor bottles. His eyes flicked from side to side and up and down. No one. Nothing. Everything was just where it was supposed to be, and he didn't see any speakers or anything, so... Hank, you all right? He turned halfway around and saw Tim leaning forward over the bar, his dark eyes probing, and his face locked into an expression of concern. I... Hank realized his other hand was shaking too, the one holding the spruance mug, and the piping hot Joe. Turning the rest of the way around more quickly, he firmly set the mug down atop the bar top, before he splashed scalding fluid all over himself. Then he placed his hands on the granite and took a deep breath. He met Tim's eyes and forced himself to chuckle. I'm good. Mind playing tricks on me. Okay, Tim said very slowly, like he wasn't sure he entirely bought Hank's story. Then he shrugged. Well, if you're sure you're all right, he held up his own mug, which is now empty, and wiggled it meaningfully. Hank really did chuckle then, and he nodded. He turned back to the taps, 
and the other chiller to the left of them, the one he kept at freezing to make his beer mugs nice and frosty. Hefting a cool one, he set to filling it from the fresh 805 keg. Woohoo! said a voice coming straight from the tap handle. The voice was different, higher-pitched, with an accent that reminded Hank of California surfer movies. Cowabunga, dude, added the voice. The mug, shattering on the floor, was the first indication that Hank had lost his grip on it. Hank, what the... Tim began as Hank retreated until the small of his back hit the bar top. The tap handle was still in the poor position, and beer was flowing. The drip tray quickly filled, and then the 805 overran and also began pouring onto the floor. Hey, said the surfer dude voice. What you pouring me on the ground for? Jesus Christ, what the hell was going on? Hank surged forward and shut off the flow of beer, then jumped back to where he was again. Then he just stared at the tap handle, his heart thumping in his ears like a bass drum. Despite the cool, AC-moderated temperature inside the harp, sweat was beating on his brow. Hank! Tim definitely sounded concerned now. Across the room, the subtle sound of checkers faded beneath Prince's singing, and Hank could feel Ramon and Larry's eyes burning into his back. Bars closed, Hank said, and was amazed to hear his voice come out clear and strong without the slightest tremble. What do Tim begin? Closing early tonight. Go home. Hank turned to give Tim a hard, or at least he hoped it was hard, he was too freaked out to be sure if he was doing it right, stare. After a second, he turned around to apply the same look to the checkers players. All of you. Across the room, Ramon and Larry traded looks. Then Larry shrugged and grinned. Guess we'll have to start over tomorrow. From what Hank could make of the board from where he was behind the bar, Larry was losing. Ramon snorted, but after a moment, he nodded. The two of them quickly put the game away, into its box. Then they headed toward the door. Larry gave Hank a one-finger salute, the good kind, just before he left. Tim waited a few seconds longer, looking at Hank with an expression that bordered between confused, irritated, and concerned. Then he nodded and followed the other two out of the bar. Dude, that wasn't cool, came the surfer voice again. Then the deeper voice spoke up. Get a hold of yourself, Hank. Get a hold of himself. Yeah, right. He was hearing phantom voices from his liquor bottles and beer taps. I need a vacation. That's what I need, Hank said under his breath. And why not? He was closing early. Why not close up shop completely for a couple weeks? He had enough cash reserves to handle the overhead for a couple months, and it had been years since he'd taken a good, long, relaxing vacation in a warm and beachy place. He would go and chill, meet a mill for three on vacation, and have a good old time. Knock the cobwebs loose, because he clearly was losing it. Yeah, that was a great idea. Vacation. That was a new voice, more baritone than bass and dripping derision. It was from the left-hand side of the liquor shelves. Don't be a pansy. Jack, let me handle this, came the first voice from over to the right, and let you screw it up like you did in Memphis. That wasn't my fault, and you know it. If Fireball hadn't, Hank was screaming, shut up, and placing his hands over his ears before he even realized he was doing it. He screamed loud and long at the top of his voice. By the time he finished, his throat felt raw, but at least the voices had stopped speaking. Vacation, Hank said to himself again. He turned and walked toward the end of the bar, where the granite had been cut and hinged so he could raise it up to allow passage out. But before he could raise the hinge, the surfer voice came back again. Dude, don't go. You're going to miss out on some seriously awesome vibes, man. Hank closed his eyes and swallowed. He shook his head, willing himself to quit this, to stop imagining until he could get out of there and get a little rack time. He could leave in the morning and, Hank, we're here to help. It was the first voice again. You're a figment of my imagination. Baritone voice snorted. Don't flatter yourself, fat boy. You're not that clever. Fat boy? Hank had been working out for years. He was in the Thousand Pound Club, and he recently started triathlon training as a new challenge. 
Yeah, he had a little belly fat, but he was almost 50. It was hard not to have that at his age. And considering his heritage, both his dad and granddad were blimps at his age. He turned around toward the liquor rack and shoved his index finger in the general direction the voice had come from. Screw you, buddy, I... Hank stopped himself, realizing he was about to get into an insult competition with thin air. Well, finally something got a little spark in you, said Baritone again. You ready to talk like an adult now? Jack, the first voice began, but Baritone cut it off. Shut it, said Baritone. Then somehow, even though he was looking at nothing but air and the liquor shelves behind the bar, Hank got the feeling that the voice had shifted its attention away from him for a second, but now it was entirely focused on him again. Jim's a moron, Hank, but he's right. We are here to help. Who? Hank stopped himself. Was he really going to talk to the air like this? He must be losing it. But part of him piped up that if he really was losing it, or he already had lost it, he was over the edge now, so might as well go with it. Hank always hated that part of himself, mostly because it was right more often than not. What are you? Baritone snorted again. What, you haven't figured it out yet? I'm Jack Daniels. And I'm Jim Beam, said the first voice. There was a pause, and Hank got the idea the first two were waiting, increasingly impatient. Then, after a few seconds, surfer voice piped up. I'm Firestone Walker. How's it hanging? Hank just shook his head. I really am losing it. Now you just think you are, Jack said. I assure you we are very real, and really here. What do you want? There was a short pause, then Jack spoke again, very slowly, and dripping irritated condescension, like he, it, was talking to a person he suspected was retarded. Like we've said three times now, we want to help you. Help me? How? There's a nice place you got here, Hank, but it could be better. Do better business. Jim piped up again. Ever see Roadhouse? Of course he'd seen Roadhouse. It was required viewing as far as Hank was concerned. What, you're going to tell me you got Patrick Swayze with you too? Jack snorted even more derisively. He seemed to like doing that. Please. He'd have to pay us more than he's good for to get me to agree to bring him along. Hank got the distinct impression of a person shaking his head in annoyance. Movie stars. Oh yeah, the derision was back. And how. Just think of us as your cooler, dude, said Firestone Walker, except without the fist fights. What if I don't want your help? Jim sounded aghast. You would refuse? No one's ever refused. Hank, Jack said, you have to understand, we don't do this for everyone. We're always on the lookout for good prospects, though. And of all the gin joints in all the world, we walked into yours. Because we think you're a righteous dude, man, said Firestone. Um, thanks, Hank said, I guess. So what's involved? He wasn't entirely certain he believed all this. He figured there was a much better than even chance that he had actually had a psychotic break who was making all this up in his head. He'd end up in the psycho ward. But what the hell, if he's going to go to the psycho ward, might as well enjoy the journey getting there. Just follow a few pointers, Jack said. Some minor changes. They'll pay off big time, believe me. Hank pondered that. His mind wandered back to Roadhouse, to watching it when he was young and being entranced by Swayze's love interest. She was incredible. Do I get a hot doctor? Another pause, then Jack said in a clipped tone, No. Well, it was worth a try. Hank took a deep breath. Okay, what do you want me to do? It was amazing what a difference four months made. It was Thursday night and the place was packed. Tim still sat in the seat at the end of the bar, and Ramon and Larry were still playing checkers in their booth across the way, but everywhere else were patrons galore, enjoying their booze and each other's company and listening to music from the greatest music decade of all time floating out of the jukebox. 
Tears for Fears right at the moment, and Hank couldn't help singing along to the lyrics and tapping his foot to the beat as he poured four mugs of Modelo Especial to the newest members of his beer club, a quartet of football players from the university two towns over. And, of course, they'd brought cheerleaders with them and other assorted tag-alongs. Jack had been right. The changes Hank had to make were small, almost insignificant. Partly in the area of decor, partly in the signage out front, and partly in liquor and beer selection. He had expanded it quite a bit, but mostly in marketing. And the results were better and had come sooner than Hank could have imagined. Thursday used to be a dead night. Now there were no dead nights. It was enough to make Hank think about maybe opening up on Sundays. He can't that thought immediately. Not that he was a devout man, but he figured if God really did set things up the way the preacher men said he had, he probably took the seventh day off for a reason. And who is Hank to argue with that? Besides, football. Hank placed the freshly filled mugs down before the quartet of jocks sitting at the bar opposite his taps, then gave them a small, well-practiced shove to separate them and send them sliding across the granite toward each man's waiting hand. Here you are, gents, he said, and then took the credit card the tallest of them handed over to him and opened a tab. As he was working the register, he heard Jim Bean's voice coming down from the shelves again. Looking good, Hank, Jim said. Glad we stopped by. Hank finished the keystrokes to open the football tab, then put the card up in the shelf above his register computer, which he'd installed for just that purpose. He glanced up and to the left toward the liquor shelves where Jim sat and shrugged. Yeah, it's turned out all right, he said softly so as not to carry. Guess I owe you guys a thanks. You're welcome. Hank went to turn back to his waiting customers but stopped midway. He looked up at the liquor bottles carrying Jim's name and imagined he could almost see a grinning face looking back at him from those shelves. Am I going to see you guys again? He got the distinct impression of a shrug. We'll stop in from time to time to check in on you, but no more intervention. It's up to you from now on. Hank considered that for a moment, then concluded it was a fair deal, and one he could get behind. Ever since he got out of the Navy, he just wanted to go his own way, be his own man, and prosper by his own efforts and wits. And he had managed it. Managed it okay before Jim, Jack, and Firestone came around. Managed it much better now because of their advice. But he didn't want to be a puppet. He grinned. Sounds like a plan. See you around, Jim. He had a vision of a broad, round face with a wide, toothy grin. Not if I don't see you first. And with that, Hank got the distinct impression that Jim was gone, and with him whatever length that may have existed that allowed him, Jim, and Firestone to come and give Hank a hand. There was like a tiny bit of magic that Hank hadn't even known existed had winked out. It was sort of sad in a way, and Hank felt the lack of it in a manner he never could have conceived of before. Then he finished turning around and saw a different kind of magic, but one no less potent, in the grinning eyes of his customers. One and all, they were having a good time, because of being in Hank's place and being in each other's company. And they were paying him good money to do it. It was hard not to like that arrangement. It was just too perfect. Well, no hot doctor, but hey, all's well that ends well for our man Hank in the Golden Harp. Um don't remember what prompted me to uh, write this story this way it just was fun so i did it and hopefully you enjoyed it too um next week on saturday we shall read the next story from stories from the great challenge that is story number 35 which is called sacred vows and this one is not as humorous 
Um, it's the anthology submission that I wrote it for was couched to be a uh, a romance. But of course, this didn't make didn't get into the anthology because it's really not a romance, even though it's sort of romantic. It's about a, a nun and a uh, uh, what do you call him a, a friar guy um, who yeah basically fall in love, but they're a nun and a friar, so can't have the typical romance things so <laughs> it didn't work for that anthology but it turned out pretty well so uh you will experience it next week if you haven't already read it which you probably sh you should have already read it because you should have gotten this collection the stories from the great challenge because if you've been listening to these stories for these last 34 weeks clearly you like them clearly you want to support the artist who created them so Go to mikekingswood.com slash store. Pick up that collection and pick up any of my other books. Because they're all there. And they're all, get them straight from me. I make more money that way. You can, of course, go to Amazon, Barnes, Nobo, Kobo, all those other places. And what are you going to do? And um, get the books from there. Better to come straight from me. In addition, if you have been listening and watching wherever channel that you're getting these um whatever platform it's on and you haven't subscribed yet you really need to and if you haven't liked it yet you really need to and if you haven't told your buddies yet you really need to um so yeah all kinds of ways to show support please check all the boxes and do all of them yeah and then come back next week uh, next saturday for the next story saturday as well we are going to be we are redoing well we are redoing we are continuing with streams Almost daily. Some days I'm not going to do them for various reasons. Like didn't do one on Thanksgiving for obvious reasons. And I'm recording this on Friday. And I'm not sure if I'm going to do a stream stream today or not. Um, probably will. But but with this week we did commence with the uh, Wednesday theme of Warship Wednesday. Uh, worship as in a ship of war. Not like church worship. Um and just talking through uh, some historical anecdotes from various uh, things I've read and learned about naval history. Focused mostly on submarines, because so that's what I did. This week we had a story from Thunder Below, which is the uh, uh, Gene Flucky's memories of his travails on travails, his triumphs and awesomeness on the barb. I also have uh, stuff from... Uh, I also served on the Constitution, so I have a book about old Ironsides that I'll be taking some anecdotes from them, them as well and uh, so see stories that i or my friends passed along yeah think we'll just be doing that on wednesdays so tune into that too um i give notice i don't really have a set schedule for stream stuff just because every day is a different day um the way my schedule is but um i give notice on uh, twitter and gab and on the 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 channel communication thing on youtube and other places uh, try to give notice ahead of time for folks. And as we're getting back more into the groove of it, we'll establish a regular rhythm, but for now I'm just figuring out what the battle rhythm, how the battle rhythm works best. Anyway, so that's what's going on. Um, come around for that. Regardless, I'll catch you next week for Story Saturday. Until then, don't do anything I wouldn't do. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. 
For information on all my books, visit michaelkingswood.com or visit my web store at ssnstorytelling.com. My books are all available through all the various e-tailers, but buying direct from me nuts me the most profit. For information on new releases and other special deals in the future, sign up for my newsletter on my website. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyrighted Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music is copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved. <laughs>